What's up guys, welcome to today's money. Thank you for listening, I appreciate you being here. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, there's a link for that in the description. And if you wanna jump right into the podcast, skip the next 30 seconds of ad space. What's up guys, welcome back to the channel. So today I've got a two part Q&A video, a lot of questions to cover. I really appreciate everybody who submitted to me on Instagram. I wanna get right into it here with a common question. I mean, I get this in my DMs or email at least once a day, and it's about controlling over trading. Now, for me, when someone asks me, how do you not over trade? I always like to answer by being a smart ass almost and saying, it's as simple as just making a decision, right? It's just deciding that you're gonna stay on your rules and that you're not gonna feel FOMO and need to chase trades. You're gonna wait for trades to come to you rather than push on the market and get punched in the face, as I like to say. So when people say, how do you not overtrade? Again, it is a decision, but that decision can be made even easier if you're tapped into your why and you know why you're doing what you're doing and who you are as a person. It makes it easier to stick to the rules and to respect the rules that are gonna lead you to consistent profitability. If you're not tapped into that why well enough, deep enough, it becomes really hard to stay consistent and not overtrade because at some point you succumb to the human bias that we all face every day when we show up to the screens and then you lean into that greediness, you lean into that push on the market, you push too hard and it punches you back. But if you're tapped into your why, you never get into that position of pushing too hard. So that's what I would say, really work more to do research on yourself, do self-analysis, to tap into the why, who you are and why are you doing what you're doing. And Riley, my girlfriend, business partner, babysitter, whatever you like to call her, she's been doing a lot of work with traders in our VIP chat about this, taking time. She's doing these calls with them where she's really just asking them good questions and they're pulling it out themselves. They're, they're using new language that they never used before to tie themselves, again, and take themselves deeper in on that why. It's amazing. So again, not over trading to me comes down to a decision, but the decision is easier when you're tapped into the why and you know why you're doing what you're doing and who you are as a person. Another question that came up pretty often was, what was the reason of getting into Forex when I first started trading? Why Forex over stocks or Forex over indices? For me, it kind of just happened that way, right? I wanted to get into penny stocks, but then I realized what the pattern day trader rule was. So that kept me out of the penny stock game options and futures had their limitations as well but forex was really easy to get in and at that time i'd seen other people on social media talking about it so it was enticing and i wanted to be involved in that so that's why i fell into forex but then once i applied my you know half full brain on it being funny when i applied some knowledge to it just a little bit of knowledge and some research i realized the power of the market and that we were actually getting in on something that most people didn't even know about yet and that excited me so it was like five years ago when that was still new. I was like, this is ahead of the curve. I'm on top of it more than other people. I'm going to be on this for five, 10, 15 years when everybody else is just getting on it. I'll already be in it. That was my original idea because I saw the value in being in a market that was relatively new, taking advantage of this digital age that we live in. That's really what Forex is, is doing. Because remember, before 2000, if you didn't have connections to a bank and a couple million bucks, you weren't trading Forex. But now with the internet and this technological age that we live in, it's made it even easier. So it gave me more opportunity even than stocks because of the hours too. I knew that if I was traveling, which Riley and I love to do, you can see, no matter where I am, Forex is open 24 five. So the time zones don't even matter as much. I can still generate an income. So there's a lot of benefits to Forex. I have other videos about that. I'll make sure I link them above or down in the description so you can check them out as well. A couple of questions about trading books. I have a link down below again that I'll put to my 
video that I just made about trading books, my five favorite books of 2020 so far. There's a lot of good trading material, but there's also a lot of bad stuff out there, a lot of just junk, regurgitated junk. So you have to really make sure that the guy who wrote the book or the girl who wrote the book is a legitimate source. But there is information out there, and like I said, I'll link below. Mike Bellafiore, Brett Steenbarger, Ruth Barons Roosevelt, Kathy Lean. There's a couple of really legit Steve Burns, really legit authors out there that even if you're not trading the market that they say they're trading, you can read their books, consume their content, and actually take value from it. Another good question this is from my friend George. Due to the success of your trading journey, how does that mentally affect you in day-to-day life? For me, it's motivating. I feel more obligated now than ever to coach and help new people get started on the right foot in trading because that's not the way I got started. I spent a year and a half turning and burning through strategies, bouncing around, not being educated, just basically eating crap so that you guys don't have to, so that the people who want to get into trading today don't have to. Like I said, that was my original idea. So now that we've become successful and we want to continue to be successful, it motivates me more than ever to see how big the group has gotten and how my trading account has continued to grow. And just seeing the zeros on the end of everything now has just, I think, motivated me more than ever. It drives me to be like, wow, if I could do this now and I'm nobody, I dropped out of college, not only can you guys do it, not only do I think anybody can do it, but I could get more. There's more out there for me and that just means more freedom. It's not like I care about the money that much. So how does it affect me? It's really also shown me like money is just an, it's like lighter fluid on a fire. It just makes it greater. You know, it's an enhancer. And once you can get financially independent and financially free, you can really write your own ticket and do whatever you want. That's how we were able to come down here. So it's motivating. That's how it's affected me. And I just want to be bigger. I want to keep growing. You know me, I'm crazy guys. For better or for worse, right? Another good question. Why do you think the Forex is a, that Forex is a male dominated industry with little female traders, with a few amount of female traders? I think that that probably goes into like the human biases, right? Of like who we are as men, the alpha and the male, right? But at the same time, the better statistic for us to figure out would be compare success rates of men to women. I bet you way more men fail at trading percentage-wise than women. Way more men try as well, but I think percentage-wise still, you'll see men fail at a greater rate than women. In my experience, women are very disciplined. They can hold a routine well. They can stick to the rules well. They're conservative. They're not overly aggressive. So they have the right characteristics to be successful in trading. It's just they're turned off by it because of the money and because of the alpha stigma that comes with it and that it is a male-dominated industry. But I love working. We have a couple of traders who are in the UK, a couple down the Caribbean, Riley. I mean, like there's powerful women involved in trading. The ones who make it, they're incredible. Another good question. How do you enter a trade perfectly with good risk reward? To me, that goes back to another question I'm going to get to, which is about tips for new traders. It's always just back to your system, that precise entry, precise exit, precise stop loss every single time you see that pattern present. And every time if you see it, you take it in the long run, you'll be profitable. That's the idea of a system. That's the idea that can set you up for good risk reward. Like you're asking, how do you enter perfectly? You have to have a system, a repeatable entry signal. You have to know where the stop goes every time that presents. And then you have to take it every time it presents while you're trading. You don't have to stay up 24 seven and trade it. Pick your hours, trade it every time it presents, and if it's a true winning system, in the long run, it should be profitable for you. That that pattern should be profitable, that system itself, that strategy within the system, I guess I could say, right? Another question, what's your 10-year vision for ASFX? I don't know, I don't have a 10-year vision because five years ago, I didn't think I'd be here. So to think 10 years out, 
it's like too fantasy. Even if it's an underestimate or an overestimate, it's just a fantasy because you don't know. In today's day and age, I just think there's so many opportunities that come like this because of the internet, because of technology. I'm just willing to be receptive. I want to be mobile. I want to have some cash flow and I just want to be receptive. And now, and then of course, have my cash to put into investments, to put into new businesses, to move myself around, to develop ASFX into a bigger brand. But really, I guess the first thing that always comes to mind is a fund. If I could take like Ryan, the guy who asked this question, take him and a couple of our other top traders, put us all together and have us all trading a large amount of money, that would be something that's appealing. Because I have people that want to give me money now already before I can even legally take it. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. I'm trading my money and I'm getting value from coaching people and helping people become financially independent. But in 10 years, maybe that changes, right? Maybe I have other coaches in place coaching other people on our systems and they're doing that. So I need to do something else. And that's where maybe that fun comes into place. Do I have any pointers on when I take a trade and it instantly goes against me? Yeah, it shouldn't. If you take a trade and it instantly goes against you, there's probably, in my opinion, something wrong. That's just not the way that I like to trade. If you like to trade that way, then why are you asking the question? I'm being funny, but no one really wants to trade that way where you take a position and it goes negative. Even swing traders, it just doesn't make sense. So for day traders like me, you take the position, it better move for me within an hour at most. And if it's not moving, I'm getting out of it. I'll just find something else. I'm not married to, this has to move. This is the one, it's gonna be the mover. No. Find another trade if it doesn't move, but good trades should, especially for our systems, 30 minutes at most. Good question. Risk reward versus win percentage. Which one is more important? Really good question. They both are important. It's not one or the other. You need good risk reward in accordance with your risk, your, your win percentage. For example, if you have a two to one win ratio on all of your trades, but you only win 30% of the time, that's not gonna work. But if you have a two to one win ratio on all of your trades and you win 60% of the time, you're gonna be okay. 70% of the time, you're gonna be great, right? You could have a five to one risk reward ratio and a win rate of 20, 30% and still probably be profitable. I don't know the exact numbers. You can look that up, just Google's trading expectancy. There's a chart that comes up right away and you can figure that out. But my point is that you can't have one or the other. It's not win rate or uh, risk reward. It's both. You need good risk reward in accordance with a proper win percentage, a win rate, and they have to be balanced properly so that you're not in a two to one risk reward strategy winning 20 or 30% of the time. That's not profitable. So it just has to find the right expectancy is what it's called. Have you ever considered spread fluctuations, swaps, and commissions in my backtesting. Absolutely. You have to account for not only that, but also unexpected news events. It's hard to go back sometimes and even check the news events. But what we've prided ourselves on doing in ASFX is that our systems are backtested through those periods with those commissions. What else did you say? With spread fluctuations as well. Now, you can avoid a lot of spread fluctuations when you're using a regulated broker too. Can't avoid them completely, but you can mitigate them and take those spreads much, much lower and build that into your back testing. So yeah, it has to. If you're going and testing any system right now, definitely consider building spreads into it, commissions into it, and unexpected news events into it as well. Do I have clear and objective rules to define trend and support and resistance? Yes. Trend lines, I draw them with the bodies, at least two reaction points, and I match them on an RSI. If they don't match up, then you have divergence, not confluence, and that shows you structure. To identify support and resistance, I have another video that I'll link on how I draw my support and resistance zones, but it's basically what I call the two candle rule. You find your pins, two candles to the right, two candles to the left, shouldn't break that pin, and that shows you support to that zone. And those are the ways that I draw my sensitivity zones. But like I said, I'll link that down below. Tips for scalping and holding a position for five to 15 minutes. To me, you should never try to time your trade that way. You should take a trade and let it go to fruition in the manner that it's going to. Whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 
you can't predict that. If you're trying to scalp in and out like that, I don't know anyone that makes money doing that. The only people that I've seen make money doing that are the banks that have algorithms that do it. No one on a day-to-day basis that I've seen is in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, over and over again, making money over a year. This is a good question too. How can you build profitability through your losses? I think that you can look at each loss as its unique self, its unique data point basically, a piece of energy, and you get to apply perspective onto that, whether it's a positive experience or a negative experience. If it's positive and you choose to make that little energy ball turn green and boost you up, then you're going to take that loss, whether it's a win or a loss, you take that data point and use it as energy to lift you forward. Or you're going to be self-defeating in that loss and make that little green ball actually turn red, give it to yourself and it builds self-doubt and it beats yourself down. I always choose to try to put the the green glasses on it, see it as a green piece of energy, whether it's a winner or or a loss, and apply it into my trading going forward. If it's a winner, what can I do better from the winner going forward? If it's a loser, what did I do wrong? What's one thing I can just focus on for the next trade to make sure I don't make that mistake? Just those small little tweaks over time, they do add up. The, The power of compounding small habitual changes is incredible over the course of a year, two years, imagine five years. When you're five years from this point, five years from watching this video, imagine where you'll be if you just stay consistent in the habits and the routines that you follow in and out of your trading. It's incredible to think about. Last question for part number one. He said, at what point in my trading career did I achieve emotional balance? Was I able to level out and take the emotions out of trading? For me, it's been a process, right? First, it was entry and exit signals. Then we added more management rules. Then we added more exit rules. Then we added more systems. Then we refined the systems. It's a process, right? But as I've added those rules, that's helped remove the potential for emotional decision-making. That's the best way to say it. If you can systemize the way that you're looking at a chart and do it the same way every single day, you're removing the potential for you to show up emotional, to show up not at your peak self, you're removing that potential because you're just going to divert and follow the rules which were built based on your peak self. So it's like you can't expect to remain at that point consistently ever. No one's going to show up every day and be that top performer. But if you have rules, you could put yourself in a position to at least not make poor emotional decisions when you show up and you're not at that peak level. You're going to follow the rules that were built at that high, high level, which is what you want to follow every day. Thank you for listening to Today's Money. If you want to check out the video that goes along with this episode, there's a link in the show notes. Now make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes. And if there's anything that I can do to help you along your trading journey, please reach out to me. My contact info is in the description as well. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.